Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Cossade, S.J., Book 2, Chapter 4, Section 5, Nature and Grace, the Instruments of God. The less capable the soul in the state of abandonment is of defending itself, the more powerfully does God defend it. The one and infallible influence of the divine action is invariably applied to the submissive soul at the opportune moment. And the soul corresponds in everything to its interior direction. It is pleased with everything that has taken place, with everything that's happening, and with all that affects it, with the exception of sin. Sometimes the soul acts with full consciousness, sometimes unknowingly, being led only by obscure instincts to say, to do, or to leave certain things without being able to give a reason for its action. Often the occasion and the determining reason are only of the natural order. The soul, perceiving no sort of mystery therein, acts by pure chance, necessity, or convenience. And its act has no other aspect either in its own eyes or those of others while all the time the divine action through the intellect, the wisdom, or the counsel of friends makes use of the simplest things in its favor. It makes them its own and opposes so persistently every effort prejudicial to to them that it becomes impossible that those should succeed. It makes them its own and opposes so persistently every effort prejudicial to them that it becomes impossible that these should succeed. To have to deal with a simple soul is, in a certain way, to have to deal with God. What can be done against the will of the Almighty and His inscrutable designs? God takes the cause of the simple soul in hand. It is unnecessary for it to study the intrigues of others to trouble about their worries, or to scrutinize their conduct. Its spouse relieves it of all these anxieties, and it can repose in him full of peace and in security. The divine action frees and exempts the soul from all those low and noisy ways so necessary to human prudence. These suited Herod and the Pharisees but the Magi had only to follow their star in peace. The child has but to rest in his mother's arms. His enemies do more to advance his interests than to hinder his work. The greater efforts they exert to thwart and to take him unawares, the more freely and tranquilly does he act. He never humors them nor basely truckles to them to make them turn aside from their blows. Their jealousies, suspicions, and persecutions are necessary to him. Thus did Jesus Christ live in Judea 
and thus does he live now in simple souls. In them he is generous, sweet, free, peaceful, fearless, needing no one, beholding all creatures in his father's hands, and obliged to serve him, some by their criminal passions, others by their holy actions, the former by their contradictions, the latter by their obedience and submission. The divine action balances all this in a wonderful manner. Nothing is wanting, nor is anything superfluous. But of good and evil, there is only what is necessary. The will of God applies at each moment the proper means to the end in view, and the simple soul, instructed by faith, finds everything right, and desires neither more nor less than what it has. It ever blesses that divine hand which so well apportions the means and turns every obstacle aside. It receives friends and enemies with the same patient courtesy with which Jesus treated everyone and as divine instruments. It has need of no one and yet needs all. The divine action renders all necessary and all must be received from it according to their quality and nature and correspond to with sweetness and humility. The simple treated simply and the unpolished kindly. This is what St. Paul teaches and what Jesus Christ practiced most perfectly. Only grace can impress this supernatural character, which is appropriate to and adapts itself to each person. This is never learnt from books, but from a true prophetic spirit, and is the effect of a special inspiration and a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. To understand it, one must be in the highest state of abandonment, the most perfect freedom from all design, and from all interests, however holy. One must have in view the only serious business in the world, that of following submissively the divine action. To do this, one must apply oneself to the fulfilling of the obligations of one state and allow the Holy Spirit to act interiorly without trying to understand his operations, but even being pleased to be kept in ignorance about them. Then one is safe, for all that happens in the world can work nothing but good for souls, perfectly submissive to the will of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. On February the 1st, 
1848, in a little St. John Henry Newman introduced officially the Oratorian way of life, the life of St. Philip Neri, into the English-speaking world. He set up the first Oratorian community on October the no, February the 1st, 1848, outside Birmingham. And in so doing, St. John Henry Newman was following a kindly light. He did not know where this would go. He did not fully know how this would develop. But he knew this was the will of God. And he submitted himself to it. I do not ask to see, he would write. I only ask to be used. I do not ask to see, I ask only to be used. This is the great desire of our hearts. This is the great desire that can be in our hearts. We don't have to understand everything God's doing. What we should want to be is the instruments in his hands. Now, sometimes it's helpful to understand so that we can give ourselves more fully to his work. Like Our Lady at the Annunciation. How can this be? She said, I know not man. She wasn't questioning that it would happen. She wasn't questioning the wisdom. She was asking about the way that the incarnation would happen so that she could understand it better and therefore give herself to it more fully. But then, when he was 12 and they found him in the temple, she says, why did you do this? And he said, did you not know I must be in my father's house? And the gospel says, but they did not understand what he said to them. And he went down with them and was submissive to them. Even our Blessed Mother did not understand everything. And there she was having to command the Son of God. There she was having to guide him. There she was standing in some way in authority over God's eternal Son made man. God the Son obeyed Mary. And she accepted this whole dispensation. Mary is the great model of the simple souls. When she was in Bethlehem, when he was born, and there was no room for them, she was not upset. She did not sin. She saw that somehow this is from the God. Somehow this is part of his plan, that the eternal son would enter the world in poverty, in rejection. He who was rich, as God became poor for our sake. He came to enrich us with the life of God. He came to do this by making a sacrifice of himself, naked, poor on the cross. And so it was so fitting for him to be born in a stable, poor, laid in a wooden manger, persecuted, rejected by his own, and so even Herod, who tries to kill the child, Herod, who 
deceives the Magi. Herod, who then ends up killing all the children who are two years young, two years old and younger. All of that did what? It forced the Holy Family to go to Egypt and thus to fulfill the prophecy, thus to live the incredible poverty, the greatest poverty they probably ever lived there, the backbreaking work of Joseph, living in a foreign country, living among strangers, unable to explain themselves. And therefore, Jesus could come out of Egypt. He could bring his family out of Egypt and fulfill the prophecy that out of Egypt I will call my son. He could show the world that he's a new Moses who came to liberate us from the slavery of sin. In other words, even those who were trying to do harm to Jesus brought good through God's providence. And this is what the simple soul, the soul whose soul is simple in its fixity on God. Its simplicity is that it sees the divine action. It sees that all things work for the good of those who love God. And so even when people neglect it, even when people forget about them, even when people are selfish, even when people are cowards, even when people are forgetful, or inattentive, all of these things can be used by God for his glory. The death of Lazarus, the terrible death, could have been stopped. Jesus heard he was sick and he waited two more days before he set off. And when he arrived, Lazarus had died. And then Jesus told his sister, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Let us not be impatient and fretful. God wins in the end. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.